Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Courtney and Kim take New York season two. You guys, we have arrived at the finale. Can you believe that we're here? I can. I'm going to tell you right now though, it hits so much harder watching it now than it ever did the first time around. And at the time, I didn't think that was possible. I mean, think about it though. What we know now versus what we knew then is entirely incomparable. What the family is about to become, what Kim is about to become. I mean, that's insight that we couldn't have even dreamed of having. And so watching it now this time with everything that we know, it's an entirely different experience. Well, something I was really thinking about is when we watch the Hulu show now, what we always say is our favorite episodes are the ones where we really get some behind the scenes of an event that we knew took place. So, you know, the most intense of that is, of course, everything going on with Chloe and Tristan, even on a more minor end, a photo shoot or something that we knew happened and we get the behind the scenes. We love it. That's what makes the show so great. This was that, because at the time, Kim and Chris's divorce was a fucking media spectacle. It wasn't like just these other plots on the show that we really didn't know existed. This was one of the first times where we were getting that behind the scenes. And at the time, it felt so exciting because it was such insight. Whereas now, it's so much more so that we can't believe this was ever Kim's reality. Well, when you think about it, this episode specifically, but the whole season of Courtney and Kim take New York season two is kind of the blueprint for what the show is going to become. Oh, absolutely. Because so much of the show up until this point, and I say this with no complaints. I mean, I love it as much as the next guy. (laughs) I love it more than the next guy. I I am (laughs) this guy and the next guy, but is existed with drama within the show. Like we didn't necessarily know that these were issues until we watched it play out on the show. Whereas Kim and Chris, we knew you could not be in any fucking grocery store. You could not be anywhere without that being plastered everywhere. So then you get to watch Kim break down in a locked room in the Gansevoort to Courtney and Scott while Chris is banging on the door. That is invaluable insight. And the switch here in terms of making that possible is twofold. It's one, the understanding of giving us that insight and giving us the behind the scenes, but also the public caring about them enough that the news story becomes a news story in the first place. Like when you think about Courtney and Scott, we got so much insight into their relationship. We got so much behind the scenes, but it's not like we were sitting there reading magazines and reading online about what their relationship was and speculating about it and then getting those answers when we watched the show, the public didn't care to that extent. This was the thing where it was like the public was all in. The public was obsessed. They were ravenous for more information about it. And the show delivered. No, I'd say it's delivered in a huge way. I mean, let's let's get right into it because we start off, you know, continuation of last week when Courtney and Kim had that reading with the medium and it was far more impactful than I think either one of them anticipated. 
And when the medium brings up her previous divorce and is saying that the message he's communicating from Robert is basically that Robert just wants to know that she kind of learned from that. He didn't say anything specifically about Chris, but obviously to Kim, that was very telling. And he leaves. You can see that they're both, meaning both Kim and Courtney, still very much processing what happened. And Kim says to Courtney, I feel like I got into this way too fast. I've been trying to be happy and trying to make this work, but I really feel like I got caught up in the fairy tale of this whole thing. And Courtney says, do you think that you should try it at home, like in a normal setting, not living in New York with me and Scott, or are you just done? And Kim said, I really just thought that he was the one and that I wanted to be with him, but I can't do it anymore. I'm not happy. I should have waited. I should have dated him longer. Courtney says, do you think Chris feels the same way? And Kim says, I think he thought I was like such a different person and I've become a different person with him, you know? And I think he definitely notices that. I feel really bad and I feel like a failure. I just don't know what to do. Which again, we already know that Kim has previously broken down to Chloe, but for her to now say it to Courtney is so huge and is really the step that needed to happen in order for her to make this a reality. Yeah, this was this was the final step. I mean, I think that her breaking down to Chris, not necessarily breaking down, but having that conversation in Dubai with Chris where she basically admitted that something wasn't right. That was kind of the spark that lit the match where I was like, okay, I'm about to get the ball rolling here. There is something about telling Courtney, even at this point in their relationship, or maybe especially at this point in their relationship, where it feels so finite. It's like, I have made the decision to like Courtney in on this and there's no going back now. No, especially because Courtney out of anyone was the closest to them in proximity. And I know that at this point, it doesn't really matter because they're leaving New York, but it's not like telling Chloe or telling Chris who are witnessing this on a daily basis. She's telling Courtney and Courtney's right there. It's like she tells Courtney and then Courtney 30 seconds later is in a room with Chris. So it, it just carries a totally different weight. And also, which I know now it feels so bizarre based on the current state of Kim and Courtney's relationship, but at the time, I mean, they were ridiculously close. Like Courtney was her right hand. Right. It's an entirely different relationship between Courtney and Kim that we're seeing here than we're seeing in current day. And that's huge in terms of the entire understanding of where Courtney plays into Kim confessing this to her. I know. And like, I can't even focus on that because there are so many other things going on. But yes, obviously that is a whole side plot, which getting into the first real scene is Scott at this restaurant that he's opening. He's having a meeting with his business partners. Just a side note that I have to mention this restaurant was called Ryu, R-Y-U. I don't know exactly how it was pronounced. It opened in 2012. It opened with awful reviews. And six months later, Scott sold his shares in the restaurant. It closed after 191 days. But Kim attended the grand opening with Kanye as her date very shortly after her and Kanye began dating, which I know in the scheme of things is so insignificant, but I'm just so happy that that moment in time existed. I believe that I remember... Kim bringing Kanye as her date to that and it being a very big deal. I can't say I fully remember it with absolute certainty and I can speak clearly to how big of a deal it was. I don't remember it that well, but I do. There's something in the back of my mind that's telling me that that was a big deal that that happened. I mean, in the beginning of Kim and Kanye dating, any event that they went to was a big deal because them dating was a fucking massive deal. And on top of the fact that she was still technically married. Right, of course, which we haven't even begun to get into the beginning of the Kim and Kanye days. We have so much ahead of us. You realize that, right? Like, I know we've covered so much ground, but we have so much more in front of us. I mean, we have everything that's going to happen with Lamar. No, it's it's too much. Doing this rewatch was really an experience I would not trade for anything. I'm so glad because I know it's so antithetical to like how I typically operate, which is binge watching TV, but I don't... Uh, I don't think I would have done this on my own. I don't. I really don't think that I would have sat down and gone through every single season, all of the spinoffs, every single episode and rewatched all of it. I mean, I can speak for myself and that I definitely wouldn't. But by the way, like it's an expensive habit. Paying what, $2.99 an episode? I know. Wait, why are they not all on one platform? Obviously, this is a business expense because we need it for our content. But otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, maybe that's why a lot of people aren't watching along with us. It is, I, every time we do this, I say to myself, this is so expensive. Like, how, who is who is doing this if you're not doing it to recap a show? I feel like we've gotten a couple of inboxes recently where people are like, wait, what What platform are you watching this on? And like, I don't want to tell you. I don't want you to have to spend $2.99 on an episode just to hear us talk about it. 
I actually, in this moment, is changing my entire perspective. Like I'm so much more getting now why people don't watch and they just listen. You know what? Don't watch. Just listen, because you should not have to pay that when we're doing it and we can hopefully paint a picture for you that serves as a visual. Fuck that. Nobody needs to be paying, what, it ends up being like 20 bucks a season more. Whoa. Nuts. Okay. (laughs) So this next scene, again, Courtney and Scott scenes, we're going to glaze over really, but Scott is opening this restaurant and Courtney just can't get on board in the sense that she's saying in her confessional, he's constantly juggling a million things and I never really know what he's going to do, what he's not going to do. And Scott is frustrated with this because he feels like this is one he cares about and Courtney's not taking it seriously. A tale as old as time, we could get into it, but we got to get into Chris Humphreys. So next scene is Chris and Scott and they're kind of just talking about leaving New York because again, anything Kim and Chris aside, just as a unit of the four of them plus Mason, they've become... <laughs> like roommates, you know, any, anything else, of course, there's a transition with where they're going to go in LA and Minnesota and all of that. And they're completely unraveling marriage, but also they've come to exist in this little family. And I think that that's also a funny side element to all of it. Like Kim and Chris do not know what it's like to live without Courtney and Scott. The idea that Chris Humphreys and Scott Disick are roommates at this point in time is actually one of the funnier things I've ever heard. It it feels fake, no? Uh, This whole thing is, yeah, no. So Scott's asking Chris, what's next for you and Kim? And he's like, you know, I don't know, but it's getting to the point where we kind of have to start talking about it because New York's been tough and we're still trying to find ourselves in this marriage. And he says in his confessional, I really want to talk to my wife because I feel like Kim and I are a little weird right now. Can I tell you, I had the weirdest reaction when I watched that confession. I was like, don't call her your wife. <laughs> okay. Can I ask you a question that is going to frustrate you because I don't have the answer and you're not going to have the answer either? Yeah, obviously. So these episodes are being filmed middle of October. Come October 31st, they will have filed for divorce. So the time in between filming these episodes, wrapping up filming, and end of marriage is not a lot of time that has passed. When do you think that Chris Humphreys recorded his confessionals. Julie. Because don't you, were you wondering that while watching? The entire fucking time. Not just Chris, all of them. But you know, all of them, you can get them to record a confessional, right? It's like Kim recording a confessional about her marriage after it's already ended, no big deal. Scott and Courtney in confessional, no big deal. How did the show get Chris Humphreys to record these confessionals either before the end of their marriage in such a quick time frame, or have him sit down in a confessional for the show once this marriage had ended? Okay. Can I give you my honest answer to that? Yeah. Because I swear to God, I had the exact same thought because obviously we know, you know, how the, how these shows are produced. It's the only reason it is not as shocking as you would think it is, is because One thing about Chris Humphreys, he's in it for the money. And I think he was saying to himself, you know what? If I'm going to get royally fucked by Kim and this family, let me at least get my bag. I swear to God, that's what I think happened. If what happened is that he recorded these confessionals after the end of their marriage, the person who had to sit in a room with him and get him to be serious on camera and reflect in a way that didn't give way to the fact that he was recording these after the fact, deserve some sort of a medal. That has to be the hardest job in America to have taken on. I actually, I am thinking about how annoying he must have been in those moments if that's how it happened. And I have the utmost sympathy for this unnamed, unknown person. I need to talk to this person. How do we find out who was the person in the confessional with him? I don't know, because you are surely entitled to financial compensation. Compensation. I know that's exactly what I was going to say. Well, I will. Let's put it out there because why not? If by any chance, because you never fucking know, you happen to be listening to this and you were in the room with Chris Humphrey sometime between October 2011 and December 2011, please, please reach out to us. We will keep you anonymous, but we have some questions. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then 
I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so next scene is between Kim and Chris. And in her confessional, Kim says, something just feels so wrong and distant inside. I think talking to Chris about my feelings, that this doesn't feel right, is obviously the best thing. I'm nervous to see how he feels. It's just really important that we have this talk. So they sit down and she says to him, what's going on with us? And he says, I think we just need to get back to what it was. And she's like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel so dead inside because I haven't really been myself here. I feel like we went from so much wedding stress and then we came straight here a couple of days later. It's definitely been a lot to deal with that I don't think I was really prepared for. And he's like, I just feel like we got a little bit lost in the shuffle here. And she says, but that makes me sad. Like we never hang out. And he's like, you know, I've been so worried about staying in shape for basketball. He's like, it's important, but I got to make it more of a priority to spend time together. And she says, I agree. He says, you're a priority to me. And in her confessional, she says, I just was really glad that I was able to talk to Chris. We owe it to each other to give this relationship everything we have. She says to him, I just want to be on the same page with you. And we should really try to figure everything out, spend a lot of time together, have fun and really make an effort. Which... I know compared to a few seasons ago when she breaks down to Courtney and is like, I'm pretty positive I can't do this. You look at this and you're wondering why she was kind of making this last ditch effort. But I do believe in this moment, there was still a piece of her that was like, let me just try. Let me just see if it's at all possible, even though she kind of had her mind made up. She had to. She had to be able to say like she did all she could do. And, you know, they obviously go through the motions of trying to spend more time together. And Kim has this realization of like, yeah, I was right. I just can't fucking do this. But at least she knew that she could say, well, I I did try. Did she give it her all? Did she give it everything she had? No, but we were talking about Chris Humphreys here. Like she couldn't have been expected to. Yeah. I'm about to take you guys to the most infuriating Pilates experience you have ever had. But first, just one Kim and Courtney discussion to mention. Kim is basically recapping to Courtney, her conversation with Chris and Courtney's response is, listen, we have a week left in New York. Just try to spend time together. Go to dinner, go to work out together, do things you used to do and just see if you can maybe enjoy it. And Kim's like, you know what? I agree. I'm going to try to spend a lot of time with him and just see if there's a world in which we can work it out. So on the theme of trying, she decides that she is going to go with him to his Pilates lesson. Pilates is part of his training and she's going to accompany him. So they walk in And when I tell you they cannot even make it through a single workout, even five minutes into the workout without, it's not even fighting. I don't even want to use the word fighting because that's not what it was, but without having the most apparent display of just complete dislike and disgust for one another. Do you think that's a fair way to put it? Yeah. I mean, at this point, their entire relationship exists. You know, when you have something with somebody where you're like so annoyed by them that everything they do just annoys you, like they could be doing the most mundane thing and you will look at that and be like, that is the most annoying possible way that you could have done that. Or that is the most annoying possible thing that you could have said. And anybody else hearing it or doing it wouldn't have thought anything of it. But you guys just are in a phase where you hate each other so much that everything takes on that tone. That is Kim and Chris's entire relationship. They are in this Pilates lesson. And Chris, by the way, does that thing that apparently all guys do in Pilates, which is all of their strength goes out the window and they, for some reason, full body shake. And so Chris is like giving Wait. him <laughs> what? I'm not blaming him for that. That that goes to show you how well it works. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's, uh, this. isn't that such a thing where like when women do Pilates, they don't do that. And when men do it, they're like entire, like, 
body well, reacts men, differently. Because typically men, I mean, this is at least what my Pilates trainer says, men typically when they're working out in the gym, it's like they're getting in touch with a different type of, it's, 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 so many, it's such a different type of workout. They're training muscles differently. Whereas Pilates, that's why not, I don't want to say all guys, but if you are a woman who has taken a Pilates class with a guy for his first time, most likely he went into the class thinking he could do this shit with his eyes closed because compared to the very heavy weights that he is attempting to lift or does lift at the gym, when you look at a Pilates reformer or two pound weights or a magic circle, it doesn't feel intimidating. What they don't realize is that you're getting in touch with the muscles in a totally different way. So yes, it's it's very different than his normal training. And that's why like the deep core strength, all that type of stability I mean, to his credit, he knows that it's it's necessary. And that's why he's doing it. But yes, it is such a fucking thing that guys always go into the class thinking like, oh, please, let, let's see what it's about. And then they end up getting their ass kicked. And it is so fun to watch every single time. It happened to me two days ago. There was a guy, two reformers down for me. And I saw him. He walked in like, you know, chest out, looking around like he was owning the place. And when we were doing those planks, he was having a real fucking hard time. Right. And that's exactly what's happening here. Like Chris is having that male bodily reaction to doing Pilates, except the issue for Kim is that she is getting the major ick from watching him shake on this reformer. (laughs) Chris is like fucking so annoyed at Kim that she's not having that reaction. And his assumption is like, well, she's just not working hard. Like she's just not taking this seriously. She's not even working out. She doesn't even want to be here. And it's like, they can't even fucking work out in their own style of working out without hating each other. But that, that whole thing, I know we're talking about a very short lived Pilates lesson, which in the scheme of things maybe would not be representative of the issues in one's relationship, but there is nothing more representative of the issues in their relationship than this. Because again, their individual styles of working out should theoretically impact them 0%. Like whether the issue was that Kim has a poker face when she works out and Chris, it was bothering him so much. He couldn't deal with the fact that she was so calm, cool and collected (laughs) because it was hitting on what we constantly talk about with him, which is his like deep desire to be better and more dominant and like it just exert his masculinity and his power over her. And so in this moment when she was handling it quote better than he was, it was killing his ego. And it's like, I actually can't think of something more unattractive than a guy having this reaction to working out together. Yeah. Me either. It was like, and neither can Kim. She fucking gets up and storms out of the class. Oh yeah, she she fully gets up and, and leaves. And she says in her confessional, when I first met Chris, he had this outspoken personality and I used to think it was so cute and endearing, but maybe I'm the one that's changed. And when he asked her like, so why'd you quit? She goes, I just think it was a lesson to never work out with you ever, ever again. Which is like, what are you guys going to do for the rest of your relationship if you're assuming that this is going to go beyond this one class? Because it's like the only thing that keeps Chris calm is working out. Okay, so we now have Kim and Courtney at Bergdorf's, which is always the best backdrop for them having any of these conversations. And Kim's asking Courtney what's going on with Scott and Courtney's saying, you know, this restaurant, it's never happening. I'm overhearing about it. And Kim's saying to Courtney, you know, I think that you have to be supportive. He's come so far and it feels like you don't want him to succeed. And she's like, no, I want him to succeed, but it's just hard to trust these things with Scott. And Kim says, what if Scott treated you like this? And Courtney's like, yeah, maybe you're right. I should be more supportive. Kim says, you really should. Courtney goes, I just forget. Kim goes, forget? Courtney's like, yeah. (laughs) That's like, no, that is, that is, I guess, such a hilarious line, which I feel bad that it's so buried in, comparison to the rest of this episode, but like we need to talk about that for just 10 seconds. I think that's my favorite Courtney interaction I've ever gotten. It's, it's up there for sure. I just, it's, you know what, when we talk about all of Courtney's iconic moments and her audios that have become viral on TikTok. And to me, that one scene right there represents everything about Courtney that gave her such virality. Like that is just Courtney in a fucking nutshell. It's Courtney in a nutshell because it's the admission of just forgetting to be supportive. Like she is so shameless in that. You know, she doesn't have to make up these grand reasons as to why. She will just so look you dead in the eye and say, yeah, I just I just kind of forgot. And like, whether or not you find that to be annoying, you at least have to respect how authentic she's being. 
I know there are things about Courtney that are so consistent between then and now, and there's a lot of things about Courtney that just have not changed. And there is a piece of Courtney in, in this interaction that is just so still true to who she is. But I think that there was a levity in which she said things like this. Like, I just can't explain it. Like, I miss this version of Courtney so much. Yeah. There's a part of me that misses this version of all of them. Oh, me too. Except for Kim. Like, I I love, and honestly, and Chloe. (laughs) So just Courtney? No, Scott. I miss this version of Scott a lot sometimes. Okay, so we now have Kim and Chris at their date night, which again, it's not like this is something that just happened naturally. She is being very intentional. They both are being very intentional and wanting to actively spend time together because throughout their time in New York, they really haven't. Yes, because their schedules have been busy, but also because they don't really enjoy one another's company, which is something that they're starting to realize. And Chris and his confessional is just saying, we're going on a date to SDK. I think it'll be great for us to get away from the suite and just be with each other. And when they get there and they sit down, the word that I'm going to use to describe it is just kind of awkward. They don't really have much to talk about. You know, he's saying he's really tired. He would love to just lie down. And Kim's like, we're finally going on a date. We're finally spending time together. And you want to just lay down? The reason that I find this scene to be so interesting is because if you compare how they got married so quick to the way that Chloe and Lamar got married so quick, and obviously it's not identical, Chloe and Lamar was significantly faster, but with Chloe and Lamar, you would say they had this overwhelming level of chemistry and they they just wanted to make it happen so quickly. Whereas with Kim and Chris, they did of course have chemistry. It wasn't an overwhelming amount, but there was a certain amount of chemistry that at least in her eyes, she thought was worthy enough of taking that next step. And what you're realizing here is like, Aside from all of their other issues, they don't even have chemistry. They don't have chemistry, and they also don't care what the other person does or likes. So if we're going back to what Chloe and Lamar have, which is this overwhelming amount of chemistry, on top of that, they want to know everything about each other. Where what you realize with Chris and Kim is the chemistry is going away and they never had that much in common to begin with. And also what's Kim going to do? Sit there and talk about work. Chris does not give a fuck what she does. Chris is waiting for the day that Kim stops having a job to talk about. Do you think that he is going to willingly sit there and let her or want to hear about her recapping her day to him? There was just, there was nothing left there. Once once the chemistry went away, that's what the biggest issue was. It was like, oh, there's actually nothing for us to discuss. Nothing. And Kim says in her confessional, our date's kind of awkward. It's kind of like our relationship. We don't have much to talk about. It's just weird. And this is when Chris asks Kim, you know, what, what are you doing after your birthday? Because she's going to Vegas. And he's like, I'm going to come back with you to LA. And Kim says, are you going to bring all of your stuff or are you still shipping your stuff back to Minnesota? And he's like, no, I'm bringing everything to your house. And she says to him, you can't bring your whole wardrobe. And in her confessional, she says, so Chris wants to move all of his stuff to LA. And obviously that's like the next natural step. There's something where I don't feel comfortable with him moving all of his things to my house in LA. And Chris is asking Kim, like, shouldn't you be more excited? And the thing is, she knows that in theory she should. Like, she's acknowledging that her reaction isn't necessarily natural or normal, but she can't help it. Like, the the idea of him bringing his boxes absolutely nauseates her. Right, and I can't blame her for that. It's also, like, the most physical representation of how overwhelmed she was by him. It's like, okay, it's one thing when you're in my space. Now all of your stuff is. Well, yeah, because she could exist while they were in the Gansboard in a certain amount of denial. It's the only reason she was able to get through it. And so once it was becoming so real, it was, it was just not negotiable. It wasn't going to happen. There was no world in which that was going to take place. And she definitely, I would say, could have handled it better in terms of his stuff, because from his point of view, of course he was going to move all of his stuff to her house, but she was in a tricky situation. It's one of those things where I know she could have handled it better. I'm just not quite sure what she should have done. She was at the point though, where she couldn't regulate what was going on internally. There was no way she was going to be able to regulate externally the way she then communicated it because she couldn't even make sense of it in her own head, let alone then communicate it with any sort of sensitivity. Totally. So we now have Chris and Courtney, which this ends up being a very necessary conversation for later on. But 
Courtney's in her confessional saying, Kim's asleep and I'm dying to know how their date went, which if you were watching this episode for the first time and you knew nothing and you saw Courtney in her confessional saying, I'm dying to know how Kim's date went, you would think she was talking about a guy that she just went out with for the first or second time. You wouldn't think it was her husband who she's going on a date with to see if they could potentially stand to be together. It's like moments like that really make you realize just how dark this was. Oh, it was, it was dark. And so Courtney asked Chris, you know, how he felt living with them now that their time together is ending. And he's like, listen, it's been fun and getting to know you, but it's been a tough situation living there. And for him and Kim to not have a home together, he feels like it's probably really difficult for Kim. And in his confessional, he says, Kim definitely has maxed out the space that she has in her house for clothes and closet space and stuff like that. So I think we definitely need to get a new house together and establish a home base. And Courtney asks him where they're planning on living because they need to settle. And he's saying that he has this house in Minnesota. He has a big piece of land on the same lake where he lives. And he was saying that he was kind of planning on building a new home at some point, but those plans have kind of changed. And he's saying he just feels weird moving into Kim's house because he doesn't want to go in and demand closet space. It's space in her house. And he doesn't want it to be like that. That's not the way he's trying to start this new era of their life. Meanwhile, <laughs> narrator, this era of their life never starts. Yeah, that... That Lake Minnetonka house, Kim Kardashian was never even seeing a blueprint for, let alone the inside of the built house. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry Family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, we are now really getting to the good stuff. So this is when Chris is packing all of his stuff up and Kim in her confessional says, When I see all these boxes, I just like start to literally have these panic attacks inside. Like I'm trying to hold it in and I don't want him to know that I'm feeling this strongly about this. And so they have this back and forth where she's basically saying, well, I thought that you were going to send some of the stuff to Minnesota. And he's like, no, I'm sending it all to LA. And she says in her confessional, Chris and I are so uncertain about just how we feel. I don't think he should send all these boxes to my house until we figure out what we want to do. And Chris says to her, what do you want me to do? Ship, reship? Like I might as well just send stuff there. And she's like, no, no, no. You'll just come when you come with a big bag of stuff. And in her confessional, she says, there's so many things that we need to fix, but I have anxiety thinking about the outcome, but I know that's not normal. I got to just read this back and forth verbatim. She says to him, I'm just saying all these clothes won't fit in LA. He goes, fine. Then I won't move to LA. And Courtney from the other room says, you're such a bitch, Kim. Kim says, are you serious right now? Courtney goes, yeah. 
Kim says, why? Courtney goes, if I was Chris, I would hate you. Kim asks why. Courtney says, because you're such a bitch. And Chris then chimes in, it's true, Kim, you're not ready for someone in your life. So now Kim in her confessional says, for Courtney to call me a bitch in front of Chris, it's so insensitive. I mean, I love Chris and I care about him and I care about his feelings and I don't want to hurt him. I don't want him to know I'm freaking out this much that I'm having panic attacks about all of these boxes being shipped over to my house. So Kim and Courtney then go into Courtney's room and Kim says, why are you doing that? Courtney says, because you're a bitch. Kim goes, because you know my situation, Courtney. Why are you encouraging him to move all of his boxes? She goes, I'm not. I'm just saying you're a bitch. And Kim is getting so upset, which another thing, Courtney is so like not reading the room as to what's going on here. Kim is like, I'm not going to say having a full-blown panic attack, but you can see she's starting to experience symptoms of having severe anxiety. And she's saying, just please don't encourage him if you know how I feel. And Courtney's like, I'm not encouraging him. I just think that your reasoning is wrong. And Kim's like, I can't help how I feel. And Courtney says, imagine how it's making him feel if he's trying to make it work. Which again, and we're about to get into this, that conversation that Courtney and Chris had a few scenes ago where he was kind of revealing to her just where his mindset is at was clearly very much in her mind as she was watching this interaction go down. When Courtney was doing this, I was like so frustrated. I was like, it's not that you're wrong that Kim is acting in a certain way that is entirely unfair to Chris, but like you got to have her back no matter what. Like you got to just keep your mouth shut here because this is not one to get involved in. It's not even one that you want to get involved in. Like why all of a sudden are you protecting Chris just because he had these grand plans for a lake house in Lake Minnetonka? It's like you, Kim just told you after like the most intense medium reading that her marriage was basically done. You got to give her a little room to figure out how to break that news to her husband without you then getting involved and kind of making things worse. I truly think in this moment, Courtney, different from Chloe, which we'll get into Chloe in a second, didn't fully get what was going on here. Like, yes, she had been living with them. She saw that it wasn't really working, but I still think in her mind, there was a world in which they resolved it. Because if she if she really knew just how near the end was, she wouldn't have reacted like this. I still think she thought, okay, once they get back to LA, there's a world in which they figure it out because, and maybe it's because of the proximity thing, meaning she saw just how unsustainable it was for them to be living in this hotel room altogether. So maybe it's partially that, that she thought once things normalize, they'll be able to work through it. Well, you also have to keep in mind with Courtney that the idea of saying, I'm so done with this. Like this relationship isn't working. I, I I have to be done with it. And then not being done with it was pretty much the norm for her. And so I think that Chloe hearing Kim say, I can't be in this relationship anymore is something where Chloe's like, oh, this is very serious. And like this relationship is, is over. Like Kim is saying, this is the end of her marriage. Whereas Courtney has this mindset of like, Kim's married. Like Chris Embrys isn't going anywhere. This marriage is, isn't, ending within the shortest possible time period, like they're going to have to go back to LA. They're going to have to try and make it work. They're going to have to have these ups and downs that all relationships have. And yes, sometimes you say you can't do it anymore. And then the next day, everything's okay. And so Courtney wasn't coming from a place of how serious it is to say that you can't do something anymore. And then having every single intention on permanently following through with that. No. And that was so evident in the way that she handled this, but Kim now goes to her dressing room and she calls Chloe, which as a side note, Lamar answers the phone and they have this one brief interaction where he asks how she's doing. She says, okay. And he's like, we're all here for you. We love you. I know it's so not the point, but just watching them interact got me so nostalgic. I had that big takeaway too. So she's kind of catching Chloe up just about everything going on. The boxes are making her so upset. They went to dinner. It was so awkward. She really can't do this. And she says, I flipped when he said that he was going to move all of his boxes to my house. And Courtney called me a bitch in front of him. She's totally not having my back. And Chloe's trying to comfort her. And this is really when Kim loses it all together. She breaks down. This is one of her most iconic, ugly cry faces ever. And she's like, I'm not happy. I've been telling everyone that I'm not happy. Should I just go in there and tell him I can't do this anymore? Which I know she wasn't going to do it in this moment. Like, I I don't believe that that would have ever actually happened because she had more respect for him than to do it in this way. But I do think the thought crossed her mind for a split second. 
Yeah. Of like, let's just get this over with. Of like, let me just free myself from this. Like, yeah, this is terrible and it's not the way I wanted it to go down. But if I just say it, then all of this will go away. Yeah. So Chloe's trying to calm her down saying, you know, I promise you, I am not judging you. And Kim says, you don't think I feel embarrassed that I fell in love and I really thought I was. And then I look back now and it's not what I want. It's just like, do I end it right now? And Chloe's calming her. I mean, she's telling her to breathe. You can see Kim is really panicking. And Chloe says, you went into this with your heart open in love. Everyone knows how different you two are and how badly he treats you, but this is what you wanted. And you can't be mad at yourself for following your heart. You got caught up in your fairy tale. This just wasn't your fairy tale and that's okay. And Kim says, but then I tell him, I feel like such an evil bitch for telling him I don't want his boxes there. Imagine if the roles were reversed and he was telling me. And Chloe's basically saying that she feels like Kim is so tortured and she hates hearing her cry all the time. And no matter what, she just wants her to be happy. So this is now when Courtney comes into the room and we get one of Kim's now most famous viral moments ever when she says, if you know how I feel, then why would you say that? Like you put me in such an uncomfortable situation. You know, I'm not happy. You know, I'm trying to see if it'll work out here. And I know that it's not. I know in my heart. I feel awful that I feel this way. I feel awful that I fell in love with a guy and it's not what I thought it would be. Everyone sees I'm a different person. I'm such a bitch. I'm not myself and I'm not happy and it happened way too fast. I don't know him. And this, while she's having this breakdown, is when Chris is knocking on the door. Holy fuck. Are you freaking out? No, I'm freaking out. And I just want to go back to one line quickly, which is when Chloe says, everybody knows how badly he treats you which I feel like Chloe was the first person to say that. Whereas everyone's kind of listened to this conversation and they get what Kim is saying when she comes to them and she's saying that she can't do it anymore. And I think everybody else's main takeaway of Chris at this point in time is just like, oh, we get it. Like he's so irritating. Like he's so annoying. Like we understand why this is so difficult for you. Like no one is shocked by this news. No one is like, I can't believe you can't make it work with this guy. What is wrong with you? Or, But Chloe's the only person that says, no, we all know how terrible he is to you. Not one other person has even slightly given her the impression that they feel that way. It was kind of a jarring line, no? Yes, because it's because also Kim hasn't said that. Kim's really focused on, you know, the fact that they have nothing in common or that things are uncomfortable between the two of them. And he kind of does these things to get under her skin. But at no point has she said, you know, Chris doesn't treat me well. Whereas Chloe is coming in as if this is like a known fact that everybody is talking about. Right, which like the irony of the whole thing is everyone should have been. It couldn't have been more clear. And it was an important reframe for Chloe to say that because I think at this point in time, Kim's really looking at Chris as just the victim here. It's like, oh, I fell in love with this guy and I fell out of love with him and now I can't stand to be around him and I'm about to ruin everything for him. Where Chloe's coming in and saying, yeah, all of those things might be true, but he also treated you like shit. And so it's not like he doesn't deserve what's coming his way. Yes, I think that what you said is correct, like a mindset shift or a reframe of, of, not that Kim's not allowed to, have empathy for the situation and feel just an overwhelming sense of sadness because it is sad, but it almost gets her in touch with, you know, allowing herself to feel this way and knowing that it's okay because it's warranted. Right. So Chris is literally knocking on the door while Kim is having this panic attack. And she's like, what do I say? Why am I crying? And Courtney's like, just don't answer, which it's such a crazy, like the fact that they were all in this hotel room together. I just, I just can't. So, Courtney is now trying to defend herself for her behavior from earlier. And she's saying to Kim, I just had a whole conversation with him about how he's trying and what he's going to do and how he wants to build this big house for you guys in Minnesota. And Scott walks in, which by the way, how'd Scott get in if Chris couldn't get in? I don't know. (laughs) Big mystery. And Kim is now filling Scott in about her anxiety around him shipping his boxes. And she just wants him to go back to Minnesota. And Scott says to her, you do realize you're married, right? And in his confessional, he says, I really didn't know how bad things were between Chris and Kim because I've never seen Kim like this. He's like, it's pretty obvious that Kim needs to get her feelings out and just tell Chris everything and either move forward or move on. And Kim's like, you know, he's a good heart. He's a Christian. He's everything on paper exactly that I would want in someone. But for some reason, my heart isn't connecting and I'm trying and I'm trying. And 
I at least just want my whole family to back me in response to Courtney. So clearly not backing her. And she's like, I feel terrible that I met this guy from Minnesota and I made him move out and change his whole life. And I just feel so bad for him. And she says, he fell in love with me and I fell in love with him. And now my feelings have changed. You don't think I feel bad that I invited all of these people to this huge wedding and flew everyone out. I wasted everyone's time. I wasted everyone's everything. And I feel bad. You don't think I feel bad at 30 years old. I thought I'd be married with kids and I'm not. And I failed at this. And you think that I don't feel bad. People change their minds. People make mistakes. And Courtney, who's now also crying says, so say that though. Don't say all this other dumb shit. This is so intense. This is like so intense. It's a lot. Courtney crying was an important moment because Courtney, after sitting there with Kim and calling her a bitch in front of Chris and really putting her in an uncomfortable position for her to understand the gravity of the situation and also to be really upset for Kim in this moment and really realize what was happening was such an important part of Kim being able to talk to Courtney about it. Because if Courtney was kind of holding her guns and and really taking this position of how Kim needs to be speaking to Chris and what Kim has to do right by Chris, they would have never been able to have this conversation. And also Courtney needed to understand, like Kim did feel bad about this. Kim wasn't happy that this was occurring. I think that in their conversations about Chris, it has been relatively, I don't want to say lighthearted because it wasn't that, but I think that Kim wasn't prepared to explore the seriousness of it. So there was a joking component to how annoyed she was by Chris. And this was the first time where, aside from, you know, the emotion surrounding the medium, Kim really just broke down and let it all out to Courtney. Right. And Scott then says, it was the image in your mind of being happily married at your age. You got a great career and you wanted to be happy. That's all. And he then turns to Courtney and says, and the truth is she's a helpless romantic. She sees us. Obviously we're not married and we have a child. Chloe's married. She obviously felt very pressured. And I understand that she jumped to something that she thought she'd have true happiness with for the rest of her life. And Courtney then apologizes for calling her a bitch. She's like, I really didn't understand fully the gravity of the situation. And Kim says, I don't know what to do. And Scott's like, you can say that you need a break and not leave it up in the air any longer and to deal with it. So she kind of settles down. Kim goes back into the room with Chris and she says she was crying. Chris asks why. And she's like, I just feel bad. And he's saying, it's okay. You know, he just feels like she lets other things at times dominate her thought process. And Kim in her confessional says, no matter what happens with Chris and I, we share something really special, something that he and I can only understand. And I love him and I care about him, but we're not happy. And she then says to him, I just feel really bad. I was really mean. And I know I've been a bitch or whatever. I just get such anxiety. And he's like, it's okay. I don't want you to start panicking. And she goes, I'm sorry. Okay. I just feel bad. And in her confessional, she's like, I feel like I live my life as an open book and I'm so open with the public, but there comes a time where you have to handle your issues privately. And she has too much respect for him to want to have this conversation and figure out their relationship in New York and on camera. And she's like, I just need to go back to LA and really have the conversation without the cameras, without Courtney and Scott, without the drama. And we just got to figure this out privately and kind of shut off for a while, which one is obviously necessary in terms of you know, getting insight into her mind of what was going on here. But also just in this conversation between the two of them, like he, I'm not saying he didn't recognize how bad it was, but you can see he's not panicked in the way that she's panicked. Like in his mind, and I do think part of this could come from his potentially not believing in divorce, possibly for religious reasons. Like he wasn't viewing that as an option really. So when she was getting bent out of shape, of course he didn't want that to be the reality because it wasn't helpful. Like it wasn't enjoyable, but he's telling her, just calm down. Don't panic. It's going to be okay. Meanwhile, he doesn't realize just the intensity of the turmoil going on within her. Right. Well, when Kim is in confessional and she's talking about Chris not moving his boxes to LA or, you know, her and Chris doing anything together, she really approaches it from the angle of like, well, we're not sure what we want to do. Like, we're not sure where we're at with this marriage. Like, we're both not really happy. Whereas Chris may not have been fully happy, but he was sure what he wanted to do. Like, he was sure that this was just going to be their future. Whether he was happy or not, whether he enjoyed being with Kim or not, it didn't cross his mind the idea that they were going to get divorced. And it definitely didn't cross his mind that they were going to get divorced so quickly after they got married. There was no part of him that didn't see them working past 
this rough patch. But also the reason that Chris didn't envision that ever being the case is because he still had in his mind that he could fully change and mold Kim into whatever he wanted her to be. Oh, I know, which I do think there's a part of him that's slowly starting to realize there's no world in which that's the case. You know what else is interesting too that I noticed is in this scene where she comes back in and she's having this conversation with him and in the last scene where they have that initial conversation where they agree they're going to spend more time together, their body language is not off at all. She's sitting on top of him. They're kind of laying together. They're very touchy when they're talking and having this conversation. And that surprised me because it was like, Everything between them is so off, and yet their body language doesn't, especially when they're having these conversations, doesn't read of two people who are this off. Well, I was going to say, like, I don't mean this from a, the way I normally mean it. Of like, I'm so curious. Like, I genuinely am curious what their sex life was like at this time, because she never talks about it, and she never, she never says it in a good way or a bad way. Like, and we're not having sex, or, you know but our sex is so great. Or like, I'm not even wondering if it was good or bad. I'm genuinely curious, like the frequency of it. And if she felt connected to him in those moments and I wasn't expecting her to divulge that necessarily. I'm genuinely just interested because I do think oftentimes, like specifically we as women, it's so hard for us to connect intimately in that way when we're so disconnected emotionally. Right. So I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder what was going on there or maybe she, maybe that was the time she felt the most connected to him. And so maybe she was doing it more because that was the only time she felt that intimacy was there. I, I don't know. I mean, it could have gone a million different ways. I'm not trying to speculate. I like genuinely would just love to know because I do think that it's additive to understanding the full picture. I absolutely had that thought as well. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot pet insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. So next scene, Chris is with his friend Josh, and he's putting his boxes in storage until him and Kim get a place together. And he says in his confessional, I'm willing to compromise in this situation, get my mind right, figure out if this is a situation I can live in. And Josh is saying to him, you know, sometimes you just need time away to regroup. And he goes, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But Kim's been acting weird, distant. And I just told her, look, I'll just move all my stuff from New York to LA. And she was like, no, I don't have room, boxes, this, that. She was acting so crazy. I feel like she was panicking. I was just over her, ready to get a divorce. Again, as you said, that was a big deal for him to even say that. Even if in his mind, as he's saying it, he wasn't meaning it. Like maybe he was being a little bit dramatic here. Not that he was being dramatic, but I think even he would say in this time he was being a little bit dramatic, like to his friend, he's saying, fuck it. I'm ready to get a divorce when he wasn't actually ready to get a divorce, but he was so deeply thrown by Kim's reaction to this whole thing. Right. Which is completely understandable. So Kim is then in the hotel and in her confessional, she says, Chris and I, I think we just feel really disconnected. We don't have the same friends. We don't have the same interests. We don't have a lot to talk about. These past couple of months have been such a growth experience for me. 
I just feel like I always had this vision of what my life would be like. And I wanted babies. I wanted this fairy tale. I wanted to be married by 30 and everything that I envisioned my life to be is now not the fairy tale that I really wanted it to be. And so they're now sitting down with Courtney and Scott and they're all doing their peak and pit. Courtney says hers, Scott says his. And Kim says, the peak of my trip was just, I think truly the peak was I love seeing Mason every day, waking up with him every morning and having him say morning. And I would say the pit of our trip has been at the same token, living with all of you. And Chris says, I wanted Kim's peak to be like, you know, living with my husband or something like that. But I guess she just made mine change. By the way, that wasn't your peak anyway. No. And also like, Obviously it was Mason. Even if they were great, it would probably still be Mason. Kim, for so many reasons, like obviously she adored Mason. It was her only niece or nephew. They had such a close bond. It was Courtney's child. Like all of that hundred percent, but also the fact that she wanted kids so badly herself that I think spending time with Mason allowed her to get in touch with that maternal side that she so badly wanted to have for herself. Well, And realistically, not that they had so much time to get pregnant, but if they weren't with Mason every day, there is the possibility that Kim would have maybe tried with Chris earlier on in their relationship to have a baby. But instead, because Mason was there, she was kind of able to get that fix of having a child in her life while realizing that she had stuff that she had to work out with Chris. But if Mason didn't fill that need for her, there's a possibility that she would have jumped into that sooner. I know. It's, thank God. Really, thank God. Yeah. Not because, of course, she wouldn't have loved that kid beyond, you know, any child is a blessing. But as she learned with Kanye, it's like, you are just now stuck with that person for forever, no matter what happens. So even if they were to get divorced, they then would have this tie together. Whereas current day Kim has absolutely zero tie to Chris Humphreys. As far as she's concerned, not that he doesn't exist, but he could not exist and it would make no difference for her. And so I just think I can't even imagine them trying to co-parent together. Me either. So they're leaving for the airport. It's the final scene. And Kim says in her confessional, we're leaving New York and I never want to come back. I was so excited to be here. I was so excited to start this new life here in New York. And it's turned out to be nothing like what I wanted it to be. I know I'll have my love affair with New York again, but I'm anxious to get home and figure out my life. She will have her love affair with New York again, and she did. And she, and that love affair has really made a name for itself at the Ritz-Carlton on Central Park South. A big upgrade from the Gansvoort, and the Gansvoort wasn't too shabby. Dare I say her love affair with New York was honestly her time during SNL? I would say that was like, and the Met, honestly. Those are the things that I think she would associate with, you know, her deep love of New York. I think that Kim likes New York, and I think Kim loves visiting New York, but That is a California girl through and through. Through and through. She is one with Calabasas. And you know what? I I love it for her. Me too. Okay, well, holy shit. I can't, I cannot believe we're here. I really can't. I'm so excited for what's next. I haven't, have you watched the next episode? I haven't. No, I haven't yet. I'm so so excited. It is so funny that we do it like this. Like we, in theory, we could watch all of these episodes and, you know, bang out the recordings, but we are like little kids. Like we just want to watch every single one and then have that excited reaction immediately after. This was one where not only did I have to watch it on its own and then have to rewatch before we recorded, I also needed the time to process it. Like I could have not in a million years just jumped right into the next season. Like there was a lot going on after watching that. It was, it it was a lot it was a lot. And the biggest thing is that it just makes you have that moment of like, wow, I am so proud of her. I am so proud of where she is 12 years later. And then I had to spend like the next couple of days after watching it, trying to remember what I thought the first time that I watched it. And then being frustrated with the fact that like, I couldn't remember what that moment was like initially, but I have to imagine, even though I can't fully remember it, that watching this episode for the first time ever altered my brain chemistry in an unimaginable way. It's a hard ass to try to remember how you felt the first time when you are now equipped with so much more knowledge than you had back then. Like it's impossible. I know. I wish I could though. I know. I know. Okay, guys. Well, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for allowing us to take you on this ride that we are on. And we got to be subjected to this Chris Humphrey shit. So do you. And we love you. We'll see you next time.
So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.